Well, good morning. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Central here on this Thanksgiving weekend. We are thankful that you're here today. I see some family from out of town, a few visitors with us today. We're especially glad that you're here. If you're newer to our church, everything that we do at Central is driven by our mission of seeking transformation of our lives and our communities and the whole world through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we hope you experience among us here this morning. Today, we're wrapping up our fall sermon series called Life by Design, examining what does it mean to be made in the image of God. And today, we remember that we are made and designed for mission. Way back in September, we started this series by remembering that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to our Creator. We belong to Jesus, our Redeemer. And the life that we have, therefore, isn't merely living for myself. Been called and freed to live for Jesus and live for his kingdom. And if that's true, then how does that direct how we are to steward the blessings that God pours into our lives? They're not merely for us, but for the sake of his kingdom. How are we designed to use the blessings we're given for his mission? Let's pray as we turn our hearts to Psalm 67. Lord, we ask that you would send the Spirit to open our eyes that we would behold Jesus and open our ears that we hear the gospel and renew our wills that we follow after him with all that we are and all that we have. And so, Lord, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' strong name we ask it. Amen. Hear God's word from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stand forever. A few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to sneak off for a little bit of a fly fishing on the current river with a friend, and we had a great time and caught a few fish, which makes it even better. Uh, You may not know a lot about fly fishing, so if you don't, let me paint the picture for you. The goal is to present some kind of lure or a fly that floats on the top of the water uh, to a fish so that it looks almost exactly like something that they're eating right now. And so you have to be very careful. You want to blend in with the environment. You want to not make lots of noise and spook the fish off with grand movements or anything like that. Even if you cast your line out and it hits the water with a plop on the river, you'll probably scare the trout away. So you have to be super careful about the noise that you make and the moves that you make when you're fly fishing, which was why I was so frustrated by this group of yahoos right down the river who were making jokes about who's throwing rocks in the river. One of the guys picked up this giant boulder and laughed and laughed and heaved it in and kerplunk, splash in the water, and there goes all the fish, you know. Well, maybe I could have caught a few more if these guys hadn't been doing that. Big, noisy splash always disrupts the water, and it changes the conditions for fishing. 
the psalmist pictures for us this morning is a giant disruptor in your life too. And it disrupts the normal state of things and how things tend to go in this busted up and broken down and sinful world. But the splash that comes into your life that changes things, that's, that disrupts a life that's geared only toward self, what comes in isn't destructive. It's, it's God's blessing. God's blessing is poured into your life. It's like a giant kerplunk. And when his grace is poured into your life, your life will change as a result. You never are the same again once you experience the favor of God. But here's the thing. That favor isn't just about you. The Lord has blessed us in order to bless others in his glorious grace. If we wanted to summarize Psalm 67 in one sentence, it's this. You have been blessed to be a blessing. You've received the favor of God to share the favor of God with a world sorely in need. And that's God's design for mission for every one of us, for a church as a whole and for us as individuals. His design for mission is that we are to be conduits of his blessing, conduits of his grace into a shattered world. How do we see that in this psalm? First point See, God's blessing rests on his people. Look at verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Does that sound familiar? If you've been around church for a little while, you hear that this prayer for blessing is adapted from two of the most prominent parts in the whole Old Testament. It comes from the Aaronic high priest blessing in Numbers chapter 6 where God promises the shocking grace of his face turned toward his people and shining upon his people to bring us satisfaction and joy. And added to that number 6 blessing is the promise made to Abram in Genesis chapter 12 that I will bless you so that through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Those two things are put together here as we ask for God's blessing, for his promise to take root among us as a people. But what specific blessing is being requested here? When I think about blessing in my life and I ask for it, most of the time I'm asking for something that will make me more comfortable. Some kind of material thing, something that I'm hoping for, something that make my, may make my life easier. But the blessing that's referenced here, the most significant blessing that God gives isn't material possessions at all. Do you notice the main blessing in your life is God himself. God gives himself to his people that he would be gracious to his people and make his face to shine upon his people, that God's people would possess God in all of his grace and an intimate fellowship with the creator who's promised himself to you. That's the deepest blessing that any of us can experience in our lives, that we would have God and God would have us. What does that mean exactly that he turns his face toward us? Well, turning the face toward is a sign of favor and acceptance. It's an indication of an intimacy that is present between these two. And the psalmist is asking that God would turn that loving gaze of intimacy toward his people, that God would step toward his people. And as he gets closer to us, he brings his abounding blessings into our lives. It's a prayer that God, not only would you look at us, but would you come to us in grace? It's a turning of face toward his people. 
I mean, think about it. How, how do you feel when somebody has something really important to tell you, but they won't look you in the face or look you in the eye when they say it? The words kind of lose some of their power, don't they? It, it diminishes what's being said. Words are so much more powerful when they're given face to face, but when you see each other eyeball to eyeball, the words have an extra power to them, right? Think about the way that we speak to our children. When we have something important that we want our children to take note of that's really important, what is the posture of a parent? So often we, we turn towards our kids and even kneel down so that we're on face level with them, so they see the countenance of our face, they see the, the brightness and the blessing in our eyes, and we can tell them something that's really important as we're, our gaze is locked on one another. That's what we do when we want to say something that's super important and intimate and tender and gentle. It's that intimate gaze between a parent and a child. That's the kind of look, that's the kind of gaze that can change things in a life, can change direction in a life when you speak blessing into it. It can change a heart. It's even true, especially true, with the gaze of our heavenly Father looking upon us. He blesses us that his face might shine upon us. I told a story here at Central a number of years ago. Maybe a couple of you were here and you might remember it. But for the rest of us, when I was nine years old, I was run over by a truck, severely injured. I was in the hospital in traction for five weeks. I was in a body cast for three months after that. It was a very serious accident. I'd been playing in the playground across the street from a school um, and with some of my friends, and it was time for me to go home. I actually had a Little League Championship baseball game that day, and I had to get home to get to the baseball game. And as I walked from the park across the street, I came behind one of those street sweepers. You know those big street sweepers that have the brushes that turn and they get the leaves off the side of the street? I walked behind that street sweeper and couldn't see that coming the other direction was a big pickup truck. And as soon as I stepped out from behind the street sweeper, the truck hit me, threw me across the concrete, broke my femur right below my hip, broke my shoulder blade in my right side, a couple of other things. It was a serious accident, which I don't remember any of it. What I remember is what my friends told me about what they saw. They saw me with my leg severely broken, going the wrong direction, and I was trying to stand up and walk away. It's obvious I wasn't able to do it. I kept falling down and was squirming and was in deep pain. One of my friends ran across the street to the school and, and called the police. And my grandfather, my papa, was the chief of police. And he just so happened to pick up the phone that morning. There's a little boy that's been hit by a car. We need you here immediately. So my grandfather gets in his car, comes to the park, and as he's coming to the scene of an accident, he sees a little boy squirming, obviously seriously injured. As he gets closer... He figures out that it's his oldest grandchild laying on the street. And I'm told that when he saw me, he leaned down so that I could see his face. He got close to my face and said, Clay, it's Papa. Everything's going to be okay. Just lie down and let these paramedics take care of you. And with that piercing face-to-face intimacy of somebody that I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt loved me beyond my wildest imagination with that face-to-face -face intimacy of someone I knew loved me I was able to stop and let the paramedics load me in the ambulance and take me to the hospital 
tenderness and kindness and graciousness that's, that's face-to-face has a power. Do you believe that that's how God looks upon you? He sees you with that same kind of, of tenderness and, and gentleness. Do you believe that you are far more injured than you dare to admit to anybody? The destruction of sin has, has had its way with you and there's so much wrong in your life and you don't want to tell anybody about it and God sees all of it. We can't hide any of it from God. He sees it, but not, God not only sees it, but he turns his face toward you in this amazingly gracious, intimate, loving invitation. He draws near to we who are broken and our lives are disrupted by our sin. He looks upon us in mercy that we don't deserve. He looks upon us with an intention to bless us with his favor and his healing and his kindness. Do you believe that that's how God sees you today? It's knowing that tenderness of a holy and a merciful father is the pathway to change in our lives. That that grace that comes from a holy God who looks on us in mercy instead of what we deserve, which is his wrath. But he looks on us with pity. He looks on us with compassion and with mercy because that's the the beauty of the gospel that the Lord Jesus perfectly satisfies the justice of God in all of his wrath against our sin poured out on Jesus as he went to the cross for us. And he has given us in exchange the righteousness of Jesus, the standing of Jesus joined to Jesus before the heavenly father. We have acceptance with God as Christ has acceptance with God. When we repent and turn away from our sin and believe on Jesus, surrender our lives to him, you don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to pretend that you're better than you are. You don't have to minimize your sin. Neither do you have to avoid God. Be afraid of God. You don't have to do any of that because in Christ, God loves us and has taken us from enemies and made us into his dearly loved children. And Christ gave his life to bless us. That's who you are if you've surrendered to Christ today. That's how your heavenly father sees you and looks upon you today. But maybe you're here this morning and you know the remaining sin in your life. I know I know that there's a lot of it in my own life. You look at your life and you think, there's all this that still is wrong with me. I'm, I'm tempted and I keep falling to the same sorts of temptations over and over and over. And maybe that kind of shame about the sin that remains in your life leaves you feeling like maybe God's disgusted with me. Maybe he really doesn't like me very much. Maybe God, it, at best, he just barely tolerates me. If that's how you feel here this morning... That's the lie of the evil one. Because in Christ, God is absolutely crazy about you. If your life is joined together with Jesus by faith, God cannot love you any more than he already loves you right now in Christ. Your heavenly father loves to pour out his favor and his blessing and his kindness in your life. And it's through Christ that the father crouches down to look us tired, broken children in the face and smile and smile with an intimate blessing and approval and invitation. That kind of love 
That kind of reality that comes from our Heavenly Father is like a giant boulder thrown into the river of your life. It sends forth waves of grace, waves of love and transformation, and it will make you a different person because you're seen and loved. God sees us as we are, and yet he steps toward us in love, and that kind of love, that kind of intimacy changes us. Let Jesus transform you with the gospel today. Let him continue to be at work within you. Don't hide, don't run away, don't pretend. Become open-hearted before your Father who loves you in Christ. But friends, as this passage makes very clear, although it is true that God loves us this way and seeks to bless us, those blessings don't end with us. That splash of grace in our lives sends waves of grace out into the world. It sends waves of his grace out into the people's lives around us. Through your life, God sends blessing into the world. That's point two. God's blessing goes forth from his people, from you and me. Look again at verse two. It says, the blessings come so that your way may be known among the nations. God blesses his people, not simply for our sake, but so that the people around us, so that the nations of the world may know he is a gracious God and loving, offer favor to his people. Why should the nations praise him? Verse 3, because they see God's saving power in you. Verses 4 and 5. They see the hope of justice and fairness in the hand of God. And when they see that alive and at work in your life, verses 5 and 6, it says, let all the people praise you. When the world sees the life of God among the people of God, it says, let all the people praise you. Your life sets God's grace on display for the world to see simply by being you, simply by fulfilling your purpose in this life. God's designed for you and for me to be a conduit of the blessing and favor of God into a broken and sinful world. We go out into the world having been changed by that gospel and that goodness of God, and we bring that goodness of God, that aroma with Christ with us wherever we go. We speak and we live the gospel in our normal everyday relationships, bearing witness to the God who saves. We have an incredible mission ministry here at Central. We send people all around the world. We support missionaries all around the world. I hope you know you do not have to go around the world in order to be on mission for Jesus. He's designed you for mission right where you are, right down the block. He's called you into relationships to be the very life of Christ, that the blessing of God could be experienced through you. You see, God doesn't call us to withdraw and cocoon ourselves away from the world. He calls us to be in it, just not of it, because we don't belong to the world and we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to Jesus, who's transformed us by his grace. And he calls us to live that type of life of transformation in front of our neighbors and our coworkers and and our workplaces and before our little league friends and store clerks and every place you go. You bring the life of God into the relationships around you. You see, because your life and mine has been bought with a price, the price of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so our lives aren't anymore simply about our comfort and safety, but about the gladness of the nations to show off the triumph of God's grace in your life, in my life. 
As we are trophies of the grace of God, we shine his glory into the world that the nations may know there is a God who sees and loves and saves. But maybe you're here this morning and you can't see how God's doing any of that in your life. (laughs) Can't have any idea how he's doing those kinds of magnificent things through you because when you look at your own life, maybe you think nothing's happening. Every time I try to offer truth and grace to someone, I'm accused of hating them. Or when I try to support someone and serve them, it's met with being taken advantage of by somebody. Or maybe in, in my, my stomach, in my heart, it's all torn up in knots of fear, but what's going to happen in my family? What's going to happen with my kids? What's, what's going to happen in my, my country? And it may seem to you that try as you might to live a, a life of graciousness and pour the blessing and favor of God around you, well, you don't see any results. You don't see very much happening around you right now. Do you ever feel that way? I know I do. And when I feel that way, I'm tempted to pull back, tempted to withdraw from relationships, to pull back, and even tempted to give up on people or causes or what God is doing. But here's the thing. If we only act and serve and love in ways that we can measure the result of it, We're missing out. We're truncating God's power in our lives significantly because the Lord is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so often he does that through our weakness. And if you're only serving and loving and reaching out in ways where you can count, you can calculate, you can measure the results of what I've done in this person's life. I see how it's working. If you only reach out in that kind of way, you're going to miss out in God's working in your weakness. You're not going to see God working outside your ability to see what he's doing beyond your own horizon. You may not ever get to see what God's doing in someone's life. You may not see the the fruit of the love and the service and the integrity and the kindness and the gentleness that you're breathing into someone else's life. You may not see it until you get to heaven. You may not even see it there. But friends, God is at work beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. He's pouring his blessing into this world through his people, through you. So keep on loving. Keep on serving. Don't you dare give up on your kids or on your friends, or on your neighbors, or, or your coworkers, because God is at work doing things that you sometimes can't see. And the measure isn't what you can see, the results that you can count. The measure rests, and the results rest in the hands of God. He does more than we could ask or imagine. I mean, think about Abram. Go back to verse 2. Abram in Genesis 12, do you think he could have conceived of what's happening in this sanctuary today? All those thousands of years ago, do you think that that Abram could have appreciated that the promise that God gave him, that all who believe in this promise are children of Abraham, could he have conceived of what would be taking place in 21st century America in a sanctuary in St. Louis, Missouri? He had no idea how wide God's promise was would go. And the ability to see what God was going to do through that promise. The same thing with us. You and I can't prescribe what God might do through your witness. He might do something far more amazing. We can't even discern how he might use a blessing in my life in somebody else's life tomorrow, much less down the generations. 
You see, the horizon of God's blessing is given on his horizon, not on my and your tomorrow horizon. Our God is able to do far more than we ever ask or imagine. We are blessed in order to be a blessing to the people around us. This past week, I read a newspaper article about a man named Dion Wooden, and he was a young man who stood in front of a judge in a courtroom in the early 90s because of a stack of unpaid traffic tickets. Dion grew up in Compton, California, and the gang shootings at night in Compton led him to struggle to survive by day, and his family made a couple of moves. He made a couple of moves, and it landed Mr. Wooden in Oregon at the age of 20, A few brushes more with the law later, Mr. Wooden found himself in front of this judge. According to the article, this judge was ready to sentence Mr. Wooden to prison for his unpaid traffic tickets. But his pastor advocated for him. The pastor came and stood before that judge and testified that Mr. Wooden is no longer the person he was when he was guilty of these infractions. Jesus has changed his life. Jesus has saved him. And so, judge, would you... But you grant leniency because he's not the same man. So instead of jail, this judge reduced Mr. Wooden's fines and put him on a payment plan, and he paid every single cent of his fines. Fast forward 30 years through lots of twists and turns to 2023. Mr. Wooden has fulfilled his life's dream. He has launched a very successful electrical services company, where he employs women and employs minorities who've had a tough go in life, and he's able to offer them help for a fresh start. Mr. Wooden has become a mentor to these people. Mr. Wooden has a system of apprenticeships where he personally is invested in discipling and encouraging and training up these people in his business, offering them the same grace he received when somebody believed in him. Who could have calculated that was going to happen? Who could have thought 30 years before, back in the 90s, when he was standing in front of that judge, who could have calculated that a pastor's advocacy and a judge's grace on that day in the courtroom would end up with a thriving business where other people who are down on their luck receive the same kind of grace and advocacy that Mr. Wooden once received? Certainly not DeWan Wooden. He was not in a good place when he stood before that judge. He certainly wouldn't have imagined 30 years down the road to see what his life became. Probably not even judge. The judge has probably seen that story go the other direction lots of times. Probably that judge couldn't have imagined what would have happened in his life. Maybe not even his pastor. Pastors are supposed to be optimists, but sometimes we get burdened down with the weight of the world too. Mr. Wooden, the judge, the pastor, none of them could have conceived of what blessing would be spent through Mr. Wooden's life, but God. God had a plan. God had a purpose for redemption. God had a plan for the blessing that had been poured into Dewan Wooden's life would be poured out into the lives of others around him. He was blessed to be a blessing. See, we serve a God and we, we, we serve one another, we love one another, we live with one another in the fruit of the Spirit, not because we can calculate exactly what the results will be and how it's all going to work out, 
Maybe you're in this world and you think, I'm not so sure that patience and kindness and gentleness work in this hard scrabble, hard fight world we live in right now. I'm not so sure all those things work anymore. But friend, we have a God who puts the character of God at work in the lives of his people. And he does incredible things through you as his people. Maybe all you see in your life are the limitations and the the liabilities and the potential for disaster, but we have a God who offers grace and redemption and healing and blessing. And the question for us is not, can you see what God's going to do? The question is, what kind of power does God have to do amazing things through you? That's a far better question. You've been designed for mission. You've been saved for mission. You have been blessed in order to be a blessing for others because we've been bought with a price. The price of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for us. And that same Jesus now is enthroned on the throne of heaven. And from that throne, he can free us from the stress of having to feel like we must control everything. We have to control what's going to happen if I love and serve this person. He can free us from the fear that I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough strength. I'm not going to have enough energy. I'm not going to have enough power to keep loving this person anymore. Jesus can free you from that because he's at work in you. He's blessed you to be a blessing. He can free us from that anxiety that must ensure what the result is going to be before I'll ever engage another in relationship. The reason is that same Jesus who was crucified for you now sits on the throne. And he holds your past and your present and your future in his hands. You have been blessed to be a blessing. And if that boulder of his grace has splashed into the river of your life, may the waves of his mercy go out from your life into the lives of all the people around you because that's how he made you. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we are overwhelmed with the truth that you turn your face toward us and shine your face upon us and offer your grace to us that you lift up your countenance upon us and give us peace. What an incredible thing that we, we have, we inherit God himself. Lord, we ask that that blessing and favor you've poured into our lives through the gospel of Jesus, that we would be stewards of it, that the people around us would taste of your life through us as they get to know us, that the people around us would see your love, your character, your integrity, your gentleness, your kindness, and may they experience it through us as your people. Make us a people who not only have received your blessing, but make us essential of people who pour out your blessing into the lives of people around us who desperately need a healer and redeemer and king. Jesus, do that, we pray. Through the strong name of our crucified and resurrected and ascended Jesus. Amen.